You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Good afternoon, happy hump day, and welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here on this Wednesday, this Houdat Wednesday, if you will. We're going to talk about the hot New Orleans Saints, winners of their last two. Still sitting at 6-9, though. We'll, we'll get into that with our guy Brendan Ertle in hour number two. And then, of course, Cajun's Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. In, he is in Myrtle Beach, Cal, California. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. As the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will play the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina to open Sunbelt Conference play tomorrow evening. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Independence Bowl and much more. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Your poll question of the day. All this talk about Sean Payton and where he could potentially end up if he gets back into coaching in 2023. So we want to hear what you have to say. Where do you think Sean Payton coaches next? The Cardinals? The Cowboys? The Saints? Maybe the Rams? You have another team in mind? We we, we give you a comment option. The Colts? Oh, God. The Commanders? Well, h- hello, James. How are you? How are you doing, Matt? I'm lovely, sir. Yeah, you are. Absolutely, positively beautiful on this Wednesday. You did get back into your house, right? Yes. Okay. Just yes. want to make sure. Ha ha. Ha ha. There, there you are with the jokes again, Mr. Funny Man. Ha <laughs> Mr. Ha ha funnies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got back into my house. I slept in my own bed last night. It was quite nice. Um, now, look, you know, talking about the, the Sean Payton thing, the other interesting piece to this is there are reports now big emphasis on the word reports it's a lot of speculation at this point however it is not a secret that Sean Payton and Tom Brady have tried to work together in the past they tried so hard that they broke the rules and got the Dolphins to Uh, lose their first round pick allegedly Allegedly. So there are now reports that Tom Brady could leave Tampa Bay, which is widely expected. Dude has no loyalty to Tampa. He just wanted to prove that he that he could do it without Bill Belichick. Yeah. No, I mean, and that that's absolutely the, the reason why he did it. So he could leave Tampa and reconnect with Sean Payton somewhere. You look at the teams that Sean Payton is in the mix to coach. I had said for the charge for a while. That's it, not going to happen. It's not looking like it at this point. That's not going to happen. They made the playoffs. Um, Cardinals. The, it's interesting. I Here's the thing, though, with the Cardinals. I think 
the longer that this drags out, and I think if Sean decides not to coach in 2023, I think the Cardinals become so much more of a player in 2024. I, I, I will agree with that, but here's my thing. Here's my thing. Does Sean Payton want to undergo a fairly serious rebuild? Because the Texans, that to me is, if if, if Sean wants to do a rebuild, the Texans, absolutely. I think you go with the absolutely. Texans. Because here's the thing. I, I posed this question with the Arizona Cardinals. Are the Arizona Cardinals a coach away? Like, is a good head coach all they need? I don't think so. That's why I don't think the Cardinals are, are truly in the conversation for Sean Payton. Plus, it's like Kyler, he may be back week one. Correct. Next he may year, not he be. May, but even then, we know how players are their first year back from an ACL tear. Correct. They they are not the same. You saw it with Saquon. Saquon did not look like himself in 2021. But once you got to 2022 this year, he's back and better than ever. So it's like you would have to wait till 2024 to be like, okay, do I have like the old Kyler back, and can I like make him even better than Cliff ever could? If I'm Sean Payton, at that point, D Hop's going to be 32. Right, you're going you're, to be you're running. 32. You're running out of time. You you would need you would have to figure out your new tight end situation because Zach Ertz even older. Right. You JJ Watt's retiring. JJ Watt's gone. Denver is another team that's gotten thrown around. Can Sean Payton fix fix Russ? Be interesting. They have a really good but, defense. But still. again, I, I posed the same question that I I posed with Arizona: Is a coach all they need? Once again, I don't think so. Also, you if you look at the reports with with Denver, Sean said he's gonna he's gonna be having Vic Vic Fangio as the DC. Yep. But if you remember, Vic Fangio not too long ago. Was with the Broncos, correct? So it's like, is that all going to mend relationship there? If that's the case, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Do you wel- do you welcome Vic, Fan- Vic Fangio back with what with open arms? And then you have New Orleans, which is to me the most interesting piece, because with Sean Payton retiring last year. A lot of people think it's because he was burned out. I don't disagree with that. He was burned out. You could tell. You you could you could tell by his whole demeanor. He got a little more snappy than he usually would with the media. Even though he's he would be off and on depending on the win or loss, but it just felt like it was different in 2021. And then you look at it, it you just you also just know you when you feel like you have a target on your back, and it feels like nothing's going right. You just kind of get over and be like, I need to take a break. I need to step back. Well, even even more than that, did something happen behind closed doors between him and, and say like Mickey Loomis, somebody in the organization, to where he was like, I don't know that I want to be here anymore. Could it have been a combination of the two things? Because if it's anything more than he was just burnt out. I don't know that he comes back to the Saints. I don't know if that's an option. And then you throw in the Tom Brady wrench into it. Now, I know you know there were reports that if Drew Brees would have retired in 2020, Brady was coming to New Orleans. Correct. 
Deshaun Payton and Tom Brady automatically make you a contender again? I wouldn't say automatically. You still need to go get a couple pieces in free agency. You still need to make sure you do well in that draft. Because But, but that's a, where that's where the issue lies for me. Because you keep talking about the cap space, even though we always talk about the cap space, yet the Saints always find a way to be able to get solid players in free agency, even though they are 30, 40, and even in 2020 they were $109 million over the cap, and yet they were still able to sign quite a few players. And the cap ever since then has gone up. Cap is starting to get back to where it was and where it was projected after having that huge dip that you never anticipated with with COVID hitting you and you lose all the revenue because nobody was able to go to I games. Think, I think the only way you could make it work is if Brady was willing to take under $20 million. I think that's the only way you could make it work. I still think you can make it work with, with low 20s. You because really, you because really, we're, acting like, we're acting like Tom's going to ask for huge are we, dollars. Are, are, are the Saints really going to pay a 46-year-old quarterback? Granted, greatest quarterback of all time. A lot better than most options. He's declining, though. He is. Let, let's be very real about that. Of course. He's declining. Are you going to pay a declining 46-year-old quarterback $20-plus million? Is that smart? I don't think so. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, it's not like you'd be it's it's the same thing with JV with you. It's not like you'd be signing him for a four-year deal. You'd only be signing him for one or two years. That's still a lot of money. But it's not like you'd have a huge commitment where it hits you more and more in the pocket as the years go along and then you have to keep pushing it. It's not like you would be doing with other contracts like Andres Pete and Cam Jordan and Davenport. It's not like those contracts. I, I understand, but Say you sign him to a $25 million deal, he gets hurt in the first game done for the year. Then what? Then you have no quarterback and you're on the hook for $25 million. Then what? Well, you can say that about every, not ne- every not, situation not necess- ever. Not necessarily, because if you have a younger quarterback and you sign him to a longer deal, you're only screwed for that season. Because if he's out for the year and you have him on a four-year deal, you're like, okay, well, you know, he'll be back next year. Yeah, but if you sign Tom to the one year, and let's say he does go down week one or early on, well, then it was just it just wasn't meant to be. But then you're on the hook for $25 million. For that year. With no quarterback. You're paying $25 million for for a guy to sit in a cast. Okay, well, what happens with any other QB that you go that the Saints would go get this year. You would still be in the same situation, would you not? Very very true. So it's like whatever, who is more likely to get hurt? A 46-year-old or a late 20s early 30-year-old? Well, who's who's more susceptible to injury? When was the last time you saw Tom have a major injury? We hadn't seen it since 2008. I understand. But this is basic science. A 46-year-old body is much more susceptible to injury than a younger player. Tom also takes care of himself more than most 20- and 30-year-olds. That's also true. 
There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of red flags for me for the Saints wanting to get Tom Brady. And he, he, that's to say that that's even the case. Cuz like he, let, like let's let's even say Tom and Sean don't come together, but let's let's say hypothetically. Let, let's play some more devil's advocate. That's our favorite game, right? Yep. Let's say Sean does come back to New Orleans, but Tom's like not feeling a dog and then still goes to like San Fran. So then Jimmy G's out and then you have Trey Lance as the backup and then Brock Purdy as your three. Like let let's say that happens. And then Sean comes back. And and he's also being like, Look, Dennis, I know we're friends, but it's like, I'm taking over. I'm coming back. Let me show you where you messed up with Jameis Winston. Because remember, Jameis was looking really good before that ACL tear. He was looking really good with Sean coaching and making sure, like, hey, 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 don't don't be throwing those those stupid throws. Don't be throwing it to triple coverage. Remember what we were seeing in that it was a small sample size. It was only six and a half games. But he was looking pretty damn good, was he not? He was looking okay. He was he was he was progressing each and every week. He was getting more confident as it went along. And Drew Brees, during that wild card game against the Bucks, at the end of the game. Look, he, he appointed Jameis like, look, this is your team. Look, if Sean Payton wants to come back and you put Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback, I'm good. I'm good with it. Cause he's he, he's not he's not a free agent after this year. He my, could have a he has a potential out. But my, he, can, he can still come back my, for twenty twenty. My red flag with that report is Tom Brady. I'd take Sean Payton back in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd take Sean Payton over any draft capital. I don't, I don't want a 46-year-old quarterback. I don't care who he is. I wouldn't want Drew Brees at 46 years old. That just doesn't make sense. It, it just... The, for a franchise to, to sign a 46-year-old guy, it, it just makes no sense to me. That's a Kenny Stabler situation all over again, if you ask me. So that's just, uh, again, a, a move that I don't think the Saints need to make, especially when they have plenty of other issues to go out and fix. Let's go to the game hotline. Martin, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, I, I, I'm agreeing with you more and more and more, buddy. This is where I think the Saints, and I, I posted it on y'all, uh, y'all poll question today. I think the best fit right now at this point in time for the Saints they need to go out and get Derek Carr. How old is Derek Carr right now? 31. Okay. How old is he? 31. 31. Okay. I take Derek Carr over uh, or old Tom Brady any day, time of day. And the Saints need to move on from Sean Payton and get y'all picks back. But I know I brought it up uh, like a couple of months ago, that uh, offensive coordinator from Kansas City. What's his name? Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy. Get him in there. I think they can develop some chemistry. Even though I don't think uh, the enemy would leave Kansas City like he told me, but it's worth a shot. Try and get him, develop some chemistry, and see where that goes. I mean, anything's better than what the Saints got right now, you know. But uh, that's all I basically had to say. Well, I want to hear what you think on that possible combination, and uh, I'll hang up and listen. Y'all have a happy New Year. Appreciate you, Martin. I don't want Derek Carr. Not at all. Nope. Dude's broken. I know I've been talking bad about Jimmy G for... John Gruden broke that dude. I've been talking bad about Jimmy G for, what, the last month or two? 
forever. I'd, I'd rather Jimmy G than Derek Carr at this point. And I, what I've heard from Raiders fans and what I've just seen whenever I do watch Raiders games, it's like, uh, I'm just, I, I don't want to see it. If, if we were talking about pre, pre-injury and pre-John Gruden, Derek Carr? Always. Sure. All day. But at this point in his career, it's kind of like teaching an old dog new tricks. Same thing with like Jerry right. Jones. Uh, are they really going to change? Are they really? I, I, I said it off the air, and I'm going to say it again. If any coach is going to force Jerry Jones to back off, it's Sean Payton. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Jerry Jones is a meddling owner, and he always has been. However, if Sean Payton walked into that office and said, Jerry, I understand how you like to run this team. However, I know what it takes to win championships. I know what we need to do. You got to let me run the team. Here's here's my thing with it, though. Because we just get the same news cycle every year. We've been hearing about Sean Payton supposedly going to Dallas for the last 10 years. We've been hearing about Tom Brady going to retire since the last probably 10 years, I believe. We've been hearing about it since he was, what, 36? 35, 36? We've been hearing about mm-hmm. Tom. It's like, he's probably going to retire soon. He's going to retire soon. He's going to retire soon. Where are we? We're at 45 years old right now, and he's he's still not even considering retiring. He said, I haven't thought about retiring in a, in a most recent interview. And then what, what's like another thing that we always hear in the news cycle that kind of just pops up each year? Like the, Those are the two biggest stories. Like Sean's always going to Dallas, and Tom's always retiring. And it's like, we, we get this every year, and until I see it, I, I'm skeptical. You, you I, I heard, can't see it. You heard the Sean Payton stuff because people just wanted to talk. Sean's always wanted to go back to Dallas. He just never had a reason to leave New Orleans. As long as he had Drew Brees and, and the Saints were contenders, he never had a reason to leave. Now that he's out of coaching and, and has the opportunity to go back to Dallas if the Cowboys do move on from Mike McCarthy, which if they go out one and done in the playoffs, they probably will move on from Mike McCarthy. It makes sense. You got a good young quarterback. You've got good receivers. You got a good running back. You got a good old line. And you have a great defense. The Dallas Cowboys are a team that to me feels like they're a coach away. You have an incredible pass rush with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. You have a good secondary. It's all right. Trayvon Diggs is so wishy washy. It, it's, it's, You'll it, get a crazy interception, but he'll give up 200 yards. The Dallas Cowboys instantly become a serious contender with Sean Payton as head coach. They would. They they would look really good. So, if I'm Sean Payton, Dallas makes the most sense for a multitude of reasons. Multitude of reasons. You get to go back home. You don't have to do a rebuild. It just makes a lot of sense. It's where you started your career. Jerry Jones, it's a it's a Tom Brady, Robert Kraft situation with, with Jerry Jones and Sean Payton. It just makes sense. So I, I could certainly see that move being done. Now, could I see Sean Payton returning to the Saints? Yes. I could see it. I would not be surprised by it. 
I just don't think that's the move he's going to make. Until I see Sean in Cowboys apparel, or another, uh, pretty ma- mainly the Cowboys. Until I see him in a Cowboys apparel, I'm going to be skeptical. The biggest names in today's music taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and more. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has VIP passes to hang out. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you exclusive access to viewing areas, stage-side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. It's a beach vacation like none other, and you can find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout when James and I return here on Crunch Time. We're going to talk about the career of J.J. Watt and the craziest stat line in NBA history happened last night for the Dallas Mavericks. We'll do that next here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 427 here on your Wednesday afternoon. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. J.J. Watt announced yesterday that he would be retiring at the end of the season. J.J. Uh, Watt has been in the NFL since 2011, played for nine years with the Houston Texans before spending the last two seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. In those 11 seasons, he is a five-time Pro Bowler, a five-time All-Pro. He was a three-time Defensive Player of the Year by three different media sites. He was the 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year. He won the Burt Bell Award. And he is on the All-2010 team from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. J.J. Watt will retire with 111.5 sacks, 445 solo tackles, and 27 forced fumbles. He holds the record for the most seasons with 20-plus sacks, with two. He holds the... He holds other records that are eluding me at the moment. However, the the point is this. Eclipse 16-plus sacks in four different seasons. Thank you. Point is this. J.J. Watt is a Hall of Famer. No doubt. The discussion has become... Is he necessarily first ballot? Because first ballot is wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, no doubt about it. Where it gets a little murky, with that 111 sacks, officially, that ranks 26th all-time. 26th all-time. 26th all-time. We know ne- we never he had a lot of injuries which kind of took away a lot of more potential sacks in other games. So that means in the history of the NFL only 25 players have more sacks than him? Correct. How many of those 25 are in the Hall of Fame? 
I would venture to say all of them. Uh, no, because Vaughn Miller, Cam Jordan, and Chandler Jones are ahead. Interesting. Okay, well, all three of those guys are Hall of Famers. So. Because my, the only thing, and I, and it's it sucks to say it, but it's like we never saw deep playoff runs from the Texans. They always. That, that can't hurt him. That can't hurt him. That cannot hurt him. That is a team thing. Hall of Fame I, is a. I'm not, and I'm. I know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it. It sucks that we didn't get to see like huge playoff runs from him. But we, a lot of it, a lot of it came from the regular season. So it's like if we if we're doing this strictly now. I know Calvin Calvin Johnson still got in really early. Was he a first ballot? I believe or he was, a, or a second. I believe Calvin was the first ballot. Like I'm, I'm wondering, does that does him not really being able to show too much in the playoffs? Does that kind of almost reduce him from being a first to a second ballot? Him being twenty sixth all time? I don't think so. I don't think I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, and, and what I what I think is going to do him in as a first ballot Hall of Famer is the stuff that he was able to do off the field. Because Peppers hasn't yet. Because he retired. He officially retired Cause, in 2018. So Because that's... that's he, gonna, wouldn't, he wouldn't hit his first ballot till 2023. That's going to matter. Whether you think it should or it shouldn't. DeMarcus Ware has it yet. DeMarcus Ware retired in 2016. He's still not a Hall of Famer yet. That's interesting. John Abraham, Jared Allen, Leslie O'Neill, Dwight Freeney. Technically, this will be his first year as a as a ballot since he retired in 2017. But here's my here's here's my point. J.J. Watt's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and what's going to help him is the stuff that he's been able to do off, off the, field. the field. Because he was also a Walter Payton Man of the whether Man of the Year award winner. Whether you think that should matter or not. Fact of the matter is, it does. And we are talking about a guy that raised $42 million for the city of Houston after Hurricane Harvey. $42 million. You know how much money that is for hurricane relief? That's massive. Massive. The guy has done countless fundraisers for schools in the area. He has donated money to countless charities, raised money for hurricane relief, this, that, and the other. J.J. Watt is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Because let me ask you this. If J.J. Watt would have made a couple deep playoff runs, stayed a little healthier in his career, are we debating it? No, probably not. No. Because you would have been able to see it. He Now, he did have that crazy game in that 2011 playoffs where he had three and a half sacks. In his rookie season. And then in 2012, he had one and a half. But then he only had one any other playoff run after that. So it's kind of like really exploded first four years of his career. And then it just kind of became more, he's, he's 
really he was he was really he was pretty good. I mean, his second year in the league, he had twenty and a half sacks. He did. His second and then in his fourth year, he had twenty and a half league. again, and then seventeen and a half the next year. Mm-hmm. That those first four years, he absolutely exploded. Twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen killed his career. But look, but looking twenty fifteen and beyond, it's like that's when you really saw, kind of saw a toll in the injuries. Kind of saw him not be able to produce as much because he wasn't on the field as much. He bounced back with 16 sacks in 2018. Mm-hmm. And he even had he's even had a really good year, pretty pretty good at the age of 33. He had, he's, he's, he's got nine, nine and a half. half. Like, he's had a great year. Like If he gets one more sack, he, he eclipses double digits again. He's, he's had a great year. I, I don't see any I don't see any doubt why he isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. But you also need to take into account all the other players that have kind of been waiting, that have been long overdue, kind of getting into the hall. That's another thing you have to factor in. Is what about these other players that have been sitting here for ten plus years, waiting for their gold jacket? I mean, it, I, I rattled off four or five other names that have higher sack totals than JJ, and they haven't gotten in yet. Yeah, but the, sacks isn't everything. That's that's not everything. Uh, there there's some guys that you just named that JJ Watt's gonna get in before. Just is. Um. So uh, again, he is arguably the best pass rusher of this generation of the league, and I think his little brother is going to be the next best pass rusher of this up and coming generation of NFL talent. We'll take a time out when we return. Jay Walker joins us for Cajuns Corner. We'll talk Cajuns football and men's basketball right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm wonderful. Life in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is what it is. I'm just yeah. not sure what it is. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't get much better than than Myrtle Beach, right? Well, yeah. Well, you know what, Myrtle Beach during the winter, when the when the wind starts blowing, it can be a, a pretty uncomfortable place in the winter. Uh, temperatures are going to be like in the mid fifties tomorrow, um, and and we had sunshine today, so all good. But you know, you think Myrtle Beach, you think oh, well, you can go to the beach and you got the waves and you got this and everything. Uh, this is still December. Right, right. Um, b- before we dive deep into the nitty-gritty of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, how was your Christmas? It's good. Uh, it was quiet, and, and and sometimes that's a good thing. But, uh, but no, it, it was good. It was good to be able to spend uh, a little time with family, and at the same time, uh, it was good to have a little time to do absolutely nothing, which is kind of what I did. Correct. Yeah. Um, very, very, very nice to just kind of decompress and relax for a couple of days. Sure. But, uh, you know, Louisiana Rage and Cajuns playing in the Independence Bowl this past Friday, had a 16 to 6 lead at the half, gave up 17 points to Houston in the second half to fall 23 to 16. You know, just kind of walk us through the game and, and where things really turned on its head for the Cajuns. 
Well, you know, the fewest yards that Houston has had in a game this year, the fewest points they have scored uh, in a game this year. You know, I thought I thought the effort by the by the defense was was just outstanding, um, and I think that you know the Cajuns got some things done offensively, but you know Houston's a quality team, and you're not going to be minus two in turnovers and win the game. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So you know, I you know when I sit down and say, okay, how we're going to analyze this? That's the first thing I'm going to look at. You know, you fumbled inside the five yard line on your way in to score a touchdown. Um, there were a couple of plays you could have made in the first half where maybe you get a touchdown to go along with the field goals or, or in place of one of the field goals. Um, but but it all boils down to minus two. I mean, it, it does for me anyway. Could could you all, you know, obviously the, the turnovers is a huge, huge deal. But in your opinion, you know, how big of a factor was the Chandler Fields injury? Um. Well, it didn't help. You know, I mean, it's it's you've got a, a, a team with Houston's firepower, and in crunch time, you say, okay, now we need our third string quarterback to go beat them. Um, I think I think young Mister Chris has got some mad skills. Okay, I mean, he 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 just he just looks the part out there, and he's tremendously athletic. He's going to be a great player for the Cajuns, but he was the third string quarterback. And so that's what you were asking at the end of the game. You know, please go out and win with your third-string quarterback. That and minus two in the turnovers, man, you know, that's, it, it's hard. And especially against a quality team. And I thought Houston was good. I got to tell you, Clayton Toon, man, he can oh, play for me. He's fantastic. He's good. He's, he's good. He's, he's fantastic. Now, you know, look, looking at this game again, just kind of think things really kind of went stagnant. In, in the second half for the Cajuns, now you know six and seven to finish year one under Michael Desermo. How what positives can you take away from the season as a whole to uh, to build on in twenty twenty three? You know you were so close. You know I think that's the positive for me. You know again, you and I have talked about this more than once. You know if you're a results oriented fan, you go well. We were eleven and three, and this year we had you know six. And we had a losing season. Well, you know, if, if you look at, and break it down and look inside numbers, and we ta- I think we talked about this last week, last year the Cajuns won 13 games. They had six or seven wins by one score. This year you've got seven losses and four of them are by one score. And that's after losing 49 guys from the roster from last year. They were so close to duplicating what they did. But the games that they found out a way to close out a year ago, they couldn't find a way to close out this year. You've got three. You have, for all intents and purposes, three losses in the last play of the game. Yeah. And, uh, but that's how close you were. And so I'm, you know, I'm all about going out, uh, getting some more players, getting better, come out next year and, and see if you can do better and take some of those close losses and turn them into wins next year. My last question on football before we get on to men's basketball. You know, you, you talked about the three games where, where you lost on on the final play. That, that was your fourth blown lead of the season. You know, what do you what do you attribute that to? Well, I you know I think that we saw this team more than once this year get stagnant on offense in the second half, um, and 
Now, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to be able to tell you why that happened, uh, but that is something that was a trend um, that offensively they got a little stagnant in the second half. So, you know, it's up to the coaching staff to break that down, find the, the, the common denominator as to why that happened, and then get that fixed for next year. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajuns Corner. Now going to men's basketball, the Cajuns in Myrtle Beach to take on Coastal Carolina tomorrow night inside the HTC Center. The Cajuns, the, the preseason favorite to win the conference. You got the preseason player of the year. But you're going up against a pretty talented Coastal Carolina team in, in a tough environment to open up conference play. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? You know, I, I am one of those people that I take a look at, at this league. And it is going to be a league this year that if you have a bad night on the road, you could lose to anybody in the league. Um, conversely, if you go out and you play well at home, there's not a team you can't beat. So I'm, um, you know, with the Cajuns getting six out of eight in the, on the road to open this up, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, gosh, you know, if you get through that six and two, you're in pretty good shape because you're going to get a lot of games at the Cajun Dome in February. Um, Coastal is, you know, they, they, they lost their top two scorers from last year, but, but the better part of their defense is back. And, you know, Mustafa is the, the leading rebounder in the league. Um, he did not have a good game against the Cajuns uh, last year. But Will Lakai is, uh, is back from last year, and uh, Udijay is back from last year. And then, you know, you got a couple of guys that brought in a couple of transfers. There's some talent on that Coastal team. You know, but they're a team. I mean, they've got two one-point losses this year. I don't think they helped themselves. You know, everybody's playing non-D1s, okay? But you, it's not good to schedule a team that you're going to go out and beat 135 to 39. You know, I, you, you, you want somebody that's at least going to give you a little bit of competition. And um, they, they had a couple of games where they, they were just so much better. And as a result, I think their stats are skewed just a little bit. But they're, um, they're a dangerous team, and, and, and I know they're dangerous because they're playing at home. And every team in this league's got the capability of winning at home if they play well. And then on, and then on Saturday, you'll travel up to Northfolk, Virginia to take on Old Dominion. You know, they're, it's their first year in the Sun Belt as well, but an 8-4 and four record so far this year. Tyreek Scott Grayson coming off of their last game against George Mason. He scored 30 in that contest. I mean, pretty good Monarchs team. Yeah, uh, you know, and Jeff Jones uh, is their is their head coach. He's been there uh, a long time. This guy's won a lot of games in his career, and the Cajuns are going to face something Saturday that they're not going to face very often in conference play, and that's a tough crowd. You know, Old Dominion leads the league in attendance. They're averaging about fifty one hundred. Now they had, I think, almost eight thousand for a game against Norfolk State, which is a you know, an in-city, inner-city uh, rivalry. But but they haven't had below 4,000 fans for a game this year. So now you have to go on the road and you have to get it done in what's going to be a pretty hostile environment. Um, I You know, I kind of sat and, and looked at, you know, what the what these teams did in non-conference. And, and I really think that there were four teams – 
that really showed that they're you know, that they got a, a, as good a shot on anybody to to win this league. And I think that's Marshall, Southern Miss, James Madison, and the Cajuns. Then there's the group that's just behind them, and I've got Old Dominion, South Alabama, uh, and uh, you know maybe another another school in there uh, in that in that second thing. So the Cajuns are probably going to be an underdog uh, in the game on uh, on Saturday. Because uh, you know, Old Dominion is good at home, and they're they're definitely, in my opinion, the first division team in this league. Wrapping up with Jay Walker, uh, Thursday and Saturday, two games on the road against tough competition. What's the what's the best case scenario for the Cajuns? How do they how do they come home happy? Well, they come home happy by playing good basketball. You know, if you go out and this Cajun team with the talent that they have, if they go out and play well. And that means you win the rebounding battle, you, you try to keep your turnovers down, and you have success making shots. If you go out and do those things, there's not a game you can't win. Now, they're not going to be able to do that every night because they're human beings. Uh, but but when, when you can put those three things together on the road, you're going to have a chance to win. Um, and, and so we'll see. you know. And I'll answer the question that you didn't ask, and I'll do it free of charge. Yes, you are going to see Kobe Julian this weekend. Oh, I love that. I love to hear that. Jay Walker. You'll see him tomorrow, in fact. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, joining us here for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always. Have a great road trip, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year, guys. Take care. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, take that, taxes. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.54 right now. Got a couple minutes left before we wrap up hour number one. Let's update the poll question of the day. Where do you think Sean Payton will coach next? Not necessarily say in 2023, not necessarily say in 2024 or any other year. We're just kind of saying where next in general. The three teams that we put up are the Saints, the Cowboys, and the Cardinals. As other as another option because there's plenty of teams that could be out there because you never know. Right now, the Saints are leading in votes, though, at 57% while Cowboys and Cardinals both have 14%, as well as other looking at some of the comments. Don McAllister says Houston, which to me is interesting because you never know. Maybe he wants to do a rebuild. Who knows? Then Ralph comes in. If McCarthy loses in the first round, he thinks it could be the Cowboys. Kyler Murray's interesting, but coaches go to die in Arizona. He's saying Saints ain't happening, but he thinks there will be surprise opening so other and then a couple of Facebook comments. Martin had said earlier Cowboys and brought up the idea of Derek Carr. And then Blaine Smith came in and said Charters, which at this point I'm not thinking the Charters are very likely since no. they're now making the playoffs. No. I don't even even if they would go one and done in the playoffs, I think they would give I, I think you'd still have another year for Brandon Staley. Because it would look really bad on the organization to be like, 
made the first made the playoffs for the first time in four or five years since the relocation. Yep. And the first time they make the playoffs, you get rid of the coach. What 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 the hell? Yeah, that would be a bad look. It really would. Um, it would still look. It still wouldn't look the greatest in my eyes if you're like, well, Mike McCarthy's won thirty games for you, and it was only lost ten times, and then it's like, Sean, Sean. That's not a good look either. However, I don't think Jerry Jones would care. I mean, we're talking about a, a prodigal son of sorts coming back. That would uh, Jerry Jones is going to do anything possible to get Sean Payton back in that building. Banish out of the village. Just be like, yo, come back. Come back. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I let you go. I'm sorry I didn't believe in you 15 years ago. Right. But I believe in you now. Right. Things have changed. I swear. Our, <laughs> our number one in the books. Our number two. We're going to kick it off. James and I are going to play a little game. It'll be fun right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion. He's the Nastros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James, I can't believe you failed to mention that it was the first ever 60 2010 triple double. Ever. Absolutely incredible. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the World Series champion, Houston Astros. And the LSU Tigers, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we touched on Sean Payton and Tom Brady possibly coming to New Orleans. However, very unlikely. Uh, we also discussed the Louisiana Raging Cajuns with Jay Walker. And so much more in hour number two. We're going to talk some LSU men's basketball as they prepare to open SEC play tonight against Arkansas. We're also going to chat with Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday and your phone calls on the hotline. Once again, 337-706-0111. But right now, James and I are going to play a little game. We're going to call it All In or All Out. Basically, how this is going to work is we're going to pose a question to each other. And the other is going to answer whether they are all in or all out on said topic. Pretty plain simple. So, I'll go first. I don't know, man. I'm kind of confused. I am I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, uh-huh. But uh-huh. I'm just, yeah. just throwing that out there. Okay. Um, I will go first. James. Are you all in or all out on Georgia repeating as national champions? I'm all in. Because to me, they're definitely better than the Buckeyes. And I think it it comes down to... Definitely better? Interesting. Okay. I definitely put it up there. Interesting. Okay. To me, this just seems like Stetson Bennett's magical ride. Is it as impressive as Joe Burrow's? No. Not even close. But I think... Georgia, much better team. I see them winning back-to-back national championships. Interesting. First one I'm going to pose to you. LSU, 
they defeat Purdue in the Citrus Bowl? Yes. All in. There you go. I mean, I was all in if Purdue was at full strength. Yeah, the fact that they've lost a couple pieces. Now, Kayshawn Booty, it is interesting. Kayshawn Booty won't be there. Kayshawn Booty is not playing. Reason unknown. We still don't know that reason, but they. it was interesting because people like Glenn West and Les East made sure to point out that he is still enrolled for the spring semester to be like, hey. Oh, it's not a draft thing. It's it's not a draft thing, and it's and he had already said like he's, he's not going to enter the transfer portal. So does it kind of feel like it's something within maybe academics-wise? It, it could it, be, it, or maybe he's like sick or something. That That's exactly what I was going to say. He's, he's either sick or it's something to do with his academics. Because we've seen LSU that's players two, before have issues with academics. That's before. the two plausible explanations as to why five days before the game he's not playing. That's just odd timing. Um, but no, I mean, like like I said, even before Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones and guys like that opted out, I thought LSU would win. Now I really think LSU is going to win. Now you're. Drew Brees can't help them that much. <laughs> I was going to say, Drew Brees can only do so much. Drew Brees can't help them that as much. A, as a first-time college assistant coach. Okay, I've got a basketball one for you. Okay. Luka Doncic, or however you say his last name. I say it about five different ways. I was going to say, one of my um, friends says Luka Doncic. I mean, hey, if it works. <laughs> is the best player from the 2018 draft class. Are See, you all in or all out? See, you look at other players from that class. You look at DeAndre Ayton, who was the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. You remember Trey Young, who was mm-hmm. actually drafted by the Mavs. Right, but and did, did a trade with the Atlanta. Hawks. So that one was interesting. You look at some other players. Don't forget, Rob Williams oh was in that God. draft oh class. Oh, my God. I love how you mentioned Rob Williams before you mentioned Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shea, absolutely been a monster. Like you've had some, but he's players. no Rob Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Is he all star? Is he all star defense? Uh, he's he's not Big Rob, dude. Nobody's oh. Big Rob. Oh my god! From the port, baby. Oh my god! No, if I look at it overall, a lot of really good players from that draft. That draft's looking pretty good, but one is that's Trey Young's pretty good. Rob's pretty good. Shea's pretty good. DeAndre Ayton, would I put him as the number one where, overall where, pick? Where the, where the hell is Marvin Bagley? Okay. Where the hell is Mo Bamba? Where the hell is Kevin Knox? Where the hell is Jerome Robinson? Michael Porter Jr., Troy Brown Jr., Zaire Smith, Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, that draft had huge key pieces. Correct. But there were a lot of busts early in that draft. Still a lot of good talent came out of that draft. Agreed. That's what I'm saying. Agreed. I'm not saying it's the best class of all time. But I'm saying this is a pretty good class, but one that stands above the rest is Luka Doncic. Oh, 100%. Who is very easily a top five player right now. So, yes, I'm all in on saying that Luka Doncic is the best player from that 2018 draft class. But Robert Williams is second. Hey, he's, he's up there. Oh, man. Whatever. This man hates Celtics players. No. That's crazy. I like Rob Williams. This man hates people from the port. I just don't think he's that good. That's crazy. Crazy how that works. All right. Flip it on you. Are you all in or all out on the Pels being a playoff team? All in. All in. Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, 
Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado. You've got key pieces. You've got depth. You've got a good coaching staff. Barring any severe major injuries. Because Zion kind of plays a few games, as long then he's as, out. As long as somebody doesn't tear an ACL, yes, Pelicans are a playoff team. All in. Because that, that depth has been looking really good. It's like you look at times, you're like, man, you don't have Herb, you don't have Zion, and you haven't had B.I. for the last month, yet you still win. Look, like the, the depth has looked really good, but overall, I think that what's going to be the downfall for the Pels is their overall three-point shooting. That's going to be their, to me, that's their biggest fall. So do you think that keeps them out of the playoffs? No. I'm all in on them making the playoffs. But to me, that would hold them back from, that's what's holding them back from being a championship caliber team and making a really deep playoff run. Are they a top five seed in your opinion? I see them as as the four or five. I could see because it's so close in the West right now. Everybody's within a couple of games of each other, and we're not even forty games into the season, dude. We haven't even hit the halfway point. Right. Like there there's still almost fifty games left. There's like it's like forty nine fifty depending on the team. Like we're still that far in, and everybody's within a couple of games of each other. You're gonna see some movement around. I don't think there's gonna be anything major unless someone absolutely drops. But I definitely see the Pelicans as a top four or five seed. All in or all out. Sean Payton returns to a sideline in 2023. I'm all in on that. I really do believe you take the one year off. You come back rejuvenated. Because remember what happened? Even though it wasn't him by his own choice, he he was taken out for 2012 because of Bounty Gate. Mm-hmm. Comes back 2013 allegedly with a fire. Was 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 uh, was allegedly a part of, of yeah. a, a Bounty Gate scandal. Correct. It, but whatever he, he was he was deemed and he was suspended for the whole year. So he was he was out mm-hmm. the whole 2012 season. But 2013 man came without came out with a vengeance. This year, took time off on his own. Decided, I'm quote-unquote retiring. But to me, this was just to kind of reset. I don't see this as a long-term. To me, he comes back next year. And I think they're, not only do I think the Saints are an option, Cowboys are still an option, Cardinals, maybe not as much. I think if if he gets 2024, that's when they're more of an option. But there are, there are plenty of teams to me out there that could really use a Sean Payton to really turn around their program. Or Agreed. not not program, because you would say that more organization. I agree. So I, I am all in on him coming back to 2023. Was, is it with the Saints? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Is it with the Cowboys? Who knows? Yeah, is I'm it with all, any other team? I don't know. I'm all in on that as well. I, I think he's back on the sidelines next year. And then third one for you. Does Dennis Allen coach a full make it all the way through the 2023-2024 season as the Saints head coach. Are you all in or all out on that? Because you believe he comes back next year. Today, Mm -hmm. I'm all out. All out? Today, I'm all out. And I'm going to tell you why. Yes, he's done enough over the last couple of weeks to return next year. I agree with that. However, if next year... Say you have a losing record again at this point of the year. 
So you're or you're, even or even sooner. So you're projecting at about the halfway point. He's like two and six. If you're two and six at the halfway part, halfway point, you're, after what you had, I think you're fired. I think you're done. I, th- I think Gail and Mickey are going to realize that look, this experiment just didn't work. So with so with you being all out, you are predicting the Saints have a bad record to start the season, and Gail says, "All right, cut it." As as of right now, yes, I do. Okay, I'm all out. Um, so it kind of just depends on the situation with me. If Sean does just miraculously actually does come back to New Orleans, well, then obviously no, he doesn't make it. But to me, if Sean chooses another team, I don't I don't think it really matters unless unless for some reason Dennis Allen is two wins, 13, 14 games in the season. Then maybe you start to have a, really have a conversation. But to me, unless it's an absolute travesty and you're fighting for that number one overall pick toward the end of 2023. Well, my thing is this. Then maybe, but otherwise, I think he makes it the full two years. My thing is this. 14 games in, there's no point in firing the guy at that point. What, what, are, you, what are you playing for? You have three games left. You might as well finish it out. But, you know, halfway point, if you're 2-6, and 1-7, and seven, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're going to have to make a change. Because... See, I think even if they go 2-6, two 2-7, and six, two and seven, Gale's not cutting, cutting the line yet. She doesn't seem like the type of owner to cut it. I know, I know people have talked about Stan Van getting cut after one year from the Pels. My thing but is that this. was that was a completely different situation. My thing is this. Say you go one and one over the last two games. Okay. So you finish season seven and ten. Mm-hmm. Say you start next year two and six. That means Dennis Allen is nine and sixteen as the Saints head coach. Uh-huh. What what more do you need to see to understand that it's not working? It's not necessarily the final results and final score. It's how are the players playing and how are they responding to the coaching? That's what it ultimately boils down to. But losses clearly mean that they're not responding to the coaching. Consistently losing means that players are not responding to the coaching. Because if they were responding to the coaching, they would be playing better and you would be winning more. You could respond to the coaching all you want, but that doesn't just cuz you just cuz you tell a player, "Hey, don't fumble." Doesn't mean that it's automatic. Like, oh, yep, I'm I'm not fumbling. He he told me I'm not fumbling, so I there's no possible way I could possibly fumble. But then a player still fumbles, or it's like, hey, hey, don't no. th- don't throw that pick. Don't go, don't throw it in triple coverage. Responding to coaching would be sitting when you sit down, Alan Kamara, and say, hey, man, you know you've had a fumbling problem this year, and then Kamara goes off and does something to improve his ball carrying. That's responding to coaching. You just saying, okay, coach, like that's not that that does nothing. If you have a poor start next year, and you take into consideration Dennis Allen's head coaching career as a whole, the experiment has failed. And you need to move on. Now, if you're five hundred halfway through the year, okay. Then, yeah, he, he makes it the whole season. You can work with that. I don't I don't think it's just straight up losing. I think it's how did you lose? 
That's what it comes down to. Because if it's like, if it, if like two or three of them were just where it's another penalty where like the penalty sets up the other team for a game-winning field goal or touchdown, well then it's like, well, I mean, are you are you blaming Dennis for Marshawn having a PI late? Are you like to me? That's that's just not something. And it's like if they're if they're if they were leading throughout most of the game and they were in it most of the game, and then it's just last minute, boom, just lost another one. It's like, it's like you're right there. It's like you just need to make minor tweaks. But they're getting a- getting rid of a whole head coach halfway through the season, unless it, you just have somebody that's a gym in your organization. To all of a sudden turn around, I don't see how you firing the head coach halfway through a season is going to all of a sudden change the fortunes for the Saints in 2023. I mean, again, I don't, I don't, I don't know that the Saints would do it because you, you've clearly seen throughout their history that they don't. I'm saying that they should. If it was up to me, if you have a poor start to 2023, you're moving on from them. At the halfway point of the year. Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show. Presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line of bet out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking all things Cowboys with McNeese Athletic Director Heath Schroyer. So tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Also, the LSU Tigers hosting Arkansas in the PMAC tonight at 8. Tip-offs at 8, pregames at 7.30, and you can hear that here on the game as well. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll preview that LSU-Arkansas matchup for the men and the women tomorrow right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 522 on your Wednesday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Game hotline is 337-706-0111. Matt McMahon of the LSU Tigers will host the 9 the number nine ranked Arkansas Razorbacks tonight in their SEC opener at Pete's Palace. The Tigers 11 and one on the year, just like the Razorbacks. However, LSU has played, I don't want to say a weak schedule, but it has been a, a very unchallenging one. We'll, we'll put it at that. And now you're going to play a top 10 team in SEC play. I think the Tigers are going to get tested tonight. And I think that there is a reason that Arkansas is a five-point favorite in this game. And you look at the schedule over the next you know couple weeks, man, it, it, it doesn't get easier. Arkansas, Kentucky, A&M. Florida, Bama, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas again. It's going to be a tough stretch for the Tigers. And and I'm interested to see what the, the progress made is going to be with this team. Because you've got a young team 
you've got a new coach in the SEC for the first time. So, again, how battle-tested is this team already? And how quickly can they adjust to SEC play on the fly is what's going to be the key. Now for the women, ninth ranked 12-0, playing number 24 Arkansas, who is 13-2 after back-to-back losses to Oregon and South Florida. LSU coming off some big wins in Maui, taking down Montana State and Oregon State. But again, they're another group that other than that game in Hawaii, they haven't really played anybody. So they're going to get tested as well. This time it's on the road. Now, they've got plenty of talent with Angel Reese and a handful of others. And obviously, we know the coaching legend that Kim Mulkey is. But a team that has played a pretty walk-through-the-park schedule, how battle-tested are they? How focused are they? Can a player like Alexis Morris step up? Jasmine Carson, you know, a few others. You're looking for more of an all-around. Right now you've got four players averaging double-digit points, which is good. Angel Reese leading the way with nearly 25 a game. I don't I don't know if those numbers continue once you get into SEC play. But you, you're looking for consistency out of Kim Mulkey's team. So, Flo J. Johnson, Alexis Morris, Jasmine Carson, Ladasia Williams, those are players that are going to have to step up in, in different ways for Kim Mulkey if this team wants to find success in the SEC, which I think that they're very capable of doing. You saw it last year. Kim Mulkey went through the best turnaround in in school history. So, again, that game is tomorrow night from Bud Walton Arena, a 6 o'clock tip-off in that one, while LSU men play tonight at 8 o'clock right here on the game. James, you mentioned it in your two-minute drill. Luka Doncic hitting a 60-21-10 triple-double. I mean, that is wild. Yeah, we see multiple 50-point triple-doubles from James Harden in his Rocket days, but hadn't seen a 60-point triple-double. I read the headline last night, and I said, Huh? How'd you how'd you do that? You kind of had to take a double look. You're like, yeah, because wait, you, you look at the notification on your phone. Like, that's uh-huh. a typo. Wait, hold on. What? Hold, wait, what? That's a typo. But no, sure enough, 60, 21, and ten. Twenty-one boards from a guard. That is insanity. And I love the the post game press conference. The, I mean, the, I mean, he's a tall guard. He's six seven. The post game interview. I absolutely loved it. I'm tired as hell. Yeah, I bet you. He was, he was like, I, I need a you beer. Are. I, I bet you are tired, Luca. That was ridiculous. First ever 60 2010 triple double ever. Wild. Some other top stories. Derek Carr getting benched for the final two games of the year. Could he be on his way out of Vegas? Uh yeah. And we and we talk about it. He's not a free agent till 2025, but here's the thing. 
dead cap is a big thing on how teams move on from other players that they don't necessarily want anymore. Like, I think I think you've overwelcomed your stay here. It comes down to dead cap. And we've looked at a bunch of Saints players, like Mike Thomas. It's going to be really difficult to be like, yeah, this is this is definitely worthy enough to get rid of somebody like him because you got 30 plus million in dead cap that's going to hurt even more for you to be able to kind of get players that you want. Plus, you'd be losing a really good player on your team. But with Derek Carr, Derek Carr's dead cap is very minimal. It's under it it's under six million in twenty twenty three. It's under three million in twenty twenty four, and then it's under two million in twenty twenty five. So those last three years, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a slap on the wrist, but it's not something that's going to hurt the Raiders long term in them rebuilding their team and finding a new QB. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Suns guard Devin Booker out for four weeks with an injury. Talking about injury-prone players. He's had, a, he's had a nice little stretch of injuries here lately. Uh, that, is, that has not been pleasant for the Phoenix Suns organization. Uh, so Booker will be sidelined. Laramie Tunzel. We, we, we love talking about that guy. Oh, her, he, only, he only created like 17 different trades. He said earlier today that he wants to be the highest paid tackle in the NFL. Quote from I mean, Tunzel, shoot, did you see the capital he commanded? Uh, here's, the, the other team commanded for him? Here, here's a quote from, the Dolphins. from Tunzel. I don't know who's the highest right now. Maybe Trent Williams at $23 million, but I want to top that. I'm always looking to reset the market. This is a perfect opportunity to reset the market, and everything is lining up as far as my contract to how I'm playing. Everything lining up perfectly. I'm trying to get my other tackle brethren to eat. Does... Does Laramie Tunzel deserve to be the highest paid tackle in the league? Really? A good tackle? Yes. No question about it. He's the starting left tackle for the Pro Bowl. He's one of the highest rated tackles in the league. But is he better than Trent Williams? Yeah, but we see this all the time where other players from the same position are resetting the market anyway. So to kind of make that argument to be like, Trent, you're not the best, or Laramie, you're not the best, so therefore we're not going to pay you to, I mean, that's not, how, that's not how that works. We see quarterbacks who aren't the best in, in their field reset the market. Going into 2023, Tunzel will have a base salary of $18.5 million. In that final year of his three-year, sixty-six million dollar deal, I guess you could see him getting that much money. I think that's overpaying. And obviously, I understand that a, that a left tackle is the most important, the second most important position on the field. And with him, with you locking him up. You also secure that left side a little better for your young QB that you're probably going to bring in because Davis Mills is not your guy. Yeah, you're going to draft Bryce Young. You're going to draft Bryce Young. Um, I mean, unless the Texans pull off the shock of the century and don't, you're going to draft Bryce Young. So if you don't want to kill your young QB, which we would presume is Bryce Young, but 
whoever it's going to be, you want to secure that line as much as you can and make sure you have as many weapons for them. That way it's as easy of a transition as it can be. So you you secure that left that left side by getting Laramie Tunsil, even though would you be pay, overpaying him? Yeah. You would still, be overpaying still him? Still having him secured? And then to a lot me, better than not having him. And then to me, I, I still go back to all the off-the-field issues that he had at the beginning of his career. That That's a trepidation for me as well. But what it, what what's happened has I mean he hasn't really gotten in trouble lately. Lately, but uh, again, so you're gonna penalize him from something that he did four years ago? I'm be like I'm not gonna pay you top caliber left tackle money because of what you did during your draft day. I'm not saying that, that video. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a trepidation. I'm saying that would be a concern for me. Again, it's been a long time since he's been in trouble. But NFL teams are looking at that kind of stuff constantly. And then lastly, Tua in concussion protocol again, which means Teddy Bridgewater is going to start for the Miami Dolphins this weekend. Speaking of teams that may not have a quarterback, how about the Philadelphia Eagles? Jalen Hurts did not practice today. Could it be Minshew Mania take two for Philly this weekend? We'll chat with Brendan Ertle next. AutoZone Liberty Bowl update. Arkansas leads Kansas 24-7 with 11.03 left in the second quarter. Who that Wednesday? Next, right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing good. How about you guys? Good, man. How was the Christmas? You know, pretty good. Uh, Saints got a win, so that makes everything a lot better. Another Christmas present you got a little bit before Christmas. Uh, how about DJU going to be a beef? Wow, what a what an ass to the Beavers, you know. I mean, he's had an ups his, his ups and downs in his college career, but that's a big ad for them and uh, the highest rated player they'll ever have in the building. So, uh, pretty dope to have him in the building. Looking at the New Orleans Saints, six and nine on a two game winning streak, still alive in the playoff hunt. However, odds kind of stacked against them. They have to win out. Tampa has to lose out. For it to happen, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on where they stand right now? Um, I mean, they sit exactly where I thought they would after they lost to the Bucks. I mean, it's really really painful the fact that we couldn't finish off that game. Um, a, a little mic'd up of Carlton Davis came out a couple days ago, and uh, it just makes the pain that much worse because he knew the play. He knew it was going to be a slant to to Callaway, and he, he read it perfectly and, and broke it up, and it really never had a chance. Uh, to go anywhere, and I'm not even sure if Michael Thomas was in there that he could have got open there. Cause, I mean, the, the dude knew the play. So looking back at that game, it's just it's just brutal because if they finish off that game and they go on that two-game win streak that we're, they're on currently, and that'd be a three-game win streak, um, they're sitting really, really pretty in the NFC South, and then you know things will be a lot more interesting. But uh, it's just just brutal spot they're in, and yeah, they're still alive, but uh, a lot of it would have to go right and. Uh, they got a tough, tough, tough game this week. Now you know we ha- we're going to have to bring it up. 
let's let's look at Sean Payton now. I mean, mm-hmm. he, we've we've had reports that he he may team up with Tom Brady and maybe they go to New Orleans or I mean, there's plenty of other teams: Cowboys, Colts, Chargers. Still, people think he could go there. Cardinals, Texans. Like, there, there's plenty of teams and there's so much speculation. What what have you thought about it so far? Oh, there's a lot to digest and there's a lot to think about uh, for for Sean and Tom, honestly. Uh, looking first at Tom, I think that his time in Tampa could be coming up. Uh, it just hasn't worked out for them this year. And they have too many star players and too many good players. And, yeah, they're banged up and they got injuries in the offensive line, but it just hasn't worked. And it just feels like that marriage is going to be over, whether he retires. Uh, that was not a marriage joke, by the way. Whether he retires or uh, goes elsewhere, but it's really interesting to look at Tom and to see where if he can wants to play next year. I don't see Tampa as you know re-sign him. They, they just don't have the same team they used to have. Uh, maybe Vegas if if they move on from Derek Carr, or maybe he wants to follow Sean Payton. Um, and that brings us to this topic. And it's it's two reports, two conflicting reports. One saying Dennis will be the, will be the head coach next year. And, of course, the other one from uh, the legend Mike Florio, who is very hit or miss, and it, it's hard to always guess where he's getting information from, but he's getting it from somewhere. He's not just pulling it out of thin air. Someone told him that Sean has interest returning to the Saints, and that was also reported by Jeff Duncan as well, that there is interest in the Saints. Whether or not it's true, it's coming from somewhere. So someone somewhere wants that information out there and I'm trying not to get too excited about it because it could just be negotiations or things like that but if you look at Sean's checklist of things he wants first off he wants a GM that will give him power he wants an owner that will give him power and he wants a good culture and we look at the teams Dallas mm, I mean they probably won't fire their coach if if they go one and done the playoffs maybe there's not much power there that he could have uh, the Chargers, they I don't think they'll they'll fire Staley just because they made the playoffs this year for the first time in Herbert's era, so improvement there. Uh, maybe the Cardinals, but, you know, they have some GM issues going on right now with uh, their guy stepping back for a little bit. Um, and you look at the Colts, Ursay, power-hungry, sure for the Saints, you'd love to have that, you know, top-five pick, but I don't know how realistic that is. And so you go down the list of teams, and it's like, the Saints check off most of his wants, and obviously there's no quarterback, uh, but I'm sure that could be fixed very easily with the free agent class of Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Lamar Jackson. Those are all guys that Sean has publicly said that he likes. Um, I know Lamar has been a guy that we could have got before, but I really do think that the Saints are in play here, and if they're not, you know, it's, it helps them get possibly more um, come – the time when it's time to trade him because if there's only two or three teams out there that really makes sense for Sean, the Saints can say, well, he's got interest staying here, so you're going to have to give up a little bit more. And even a team like Denver, they, they got a first-round pick and some other picks uh, from the Bradley Chubb deal. So it's going to be really, really interesting. But, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun offseason. So realistically, could you see a Sean Payton-Tom Brady reunion in New Orleans? Well, not really a reunion, but a meetup in New Orleans? <sighs> Realistically, I would say no. That's just what my gut tells me. Just because, I mean, the odds the odds of that are, are crazy. And if it does happen, fantastic. I'd be a huge fan. 
you won't see me repping a Tom Brady uniform or a jersey, but I, I would be a fan of the of the idea of bringing in Tom to be, be some of a bridge quarterback, and maybe you can get someone else, and Sean can finally develop some kind of talented rookie, and uh, you haven't learned from Tom. I mean, it's a really good idea, and it, it does make sense. Um, but from the people that are in the building, uh, it sounds like Dennis is going to be the guy, but it's a really unique situation because if then if Sean does come back and, and he does say, you know, I, I would like to return to the Saints, what what does is, what is Mickey do? Does he just tell Dennis, you know, we're going to have to get rid of you, we're going to have to demote you? It's just this whole situation we've never really seen in the NFL before, so it's hard to imagine what the outcome is going to be. But um, I, I could – there's about a 20% chance in, in my heart that I could see it happening. Now, you know, chatting with Brendan Ertle, if I had to ask you, season ended today, where is Sean Payton coaching next year? What's your answer? Oh, <laughs> from, from the week of reports, it feels like the, the Sean to back to New Orleans is gaining traction slowly. There was just another report just a few minutes ago before I jumped on my call that says, no, Dennis is staying. He's going to be the coach here next year. Um, Sean to New Orleans is kind of it's, – it's a, it's a long shot. So the, as much as I want to say, yeah, that, that makes the most sense, uh, I think Sean – I think his order is uh, Dallas and, and the Chargers, 1A, 1B. I think he would love either of those. Uh, that's not going to be an option, I don't think. So then you look at option two. Is it the Cardinals? I mean, that's an interesting situation. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's done a very good job there. Um, Kyler's hurt. He'll be back in October, so maybe that will be something that he'd like to start on with a with a you know smaller quarterback with with arm talent. Maybe you know Denver. He could be talked into Denver uh, with the situation they they got going on over there. And I saw him on TV saying that uh, he was suggesting things he'd do to fix Russell Wilson. So Broncos fans were excited about that. Uh, but the element in play also in Denver would be um, he, he wants to bring Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, which they had a pretty bad break, breakup. So there's lots of situations here that will kind of come in play later on. But the one, obviously, with the Saints would be Sean comes back to the Saints. What do you do with Dennis Allen? Yeah, that, that's that's going to be the, the interesting caveat in, in this whole scenario. Now looking ahead to this week, you're heading up to Philly to play the Eagles, arguably the best team in the league right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't practice today with that shoulder injury. Interested to see if he's going to play this weekend or not because in order to hold on to the one seed, they have to win one of their last two games. Uh, mm-hmm. Either Either way, depending on which quarterback plays, you know what? What? What's your thoughts heading into this game? Uh, so first off, I've I've never seen. I mean, it's been a, probably quite a while that I've seen as many teams kind of rest and prepare um, for late games like this. And the game I'm talking about is is Dallas. And I know the Eagles are looking very closely at that team just because they lost to them this past week. And Tennessee is sitting pretty much all their starters. You know, Tannehill's not playing, Derek Henry's not playing, and you go down the list. There's like 15 guys that aren't playing for them because this game against Dallas, they played Dallas this week, means nothing. Next week they play the Jaguars, which will be for the division. So Tennessee Titans don't care this week. So Dallas is going to win. Unless they really blow it, Dallas is going to win. 
So there was a report last week that Jalen Hurts would be motivated to play if the Eagles lost against Dallas, and that they did. So, yeah, he didn't practice today. We'll see if he practices tomorrow and the next day. But um, the impact that Gardner Minshew had on the game against Dallas is he, he wasn't the reason they lost. Uh, I think if they would have won, he would have been a big reason why they won. He played really, really well, and I think he's playing himself into a big contract this offseason. Um, sure, you would love to see Garner Minshew play over Jalen Hurts because arguably the MVP of the NFL right now is Jalen Hurts, and he's killed us every single time we've played him, every single time. And it's even been when he hasn't been throwing the ball too well, and it's just been a running offense for them, and he's gashed them. So I think just for – uh, my sake in general, I'd like to see Gardner Minshew, and I think they can hang with these guys for a little bit. I mean, it's really going to depend on uh, who plays and who doesn't. The Saints are banged up again. No Andrews Pete uh, today, and it sounds like he's not going to be good to go this weekend. Kamara missed today with a personal reason. Uh, sounded like he'll be fine to play. But um, I'd love to start off the new year with a win, and that'd be a big win for them. But yeah, the Eagles definitely have a lot of motivation to win this game, to get one, get the one seed, and two, get a better draft pick. And then looking to J.J. Watt, who announced just the other day that he's going to retire, I think it's no doubt that he is a Hall of Famer. But in your eyes, do you say he is a first ballot Hall of Famer? It'll have to go based upon probably his class that he's with and the guys that will be hanging around with him. But I think he's done enough to be considered. Um, I was talking about this on Twitter, but I feel like his resume is so good. It's just up. It's kind of up there with, you know, Aaron Donald in terms of dominance each and every single year, everywhere he goes, he makes an impact, but he didn't get a Super Bowl, And that's, I, I didn't really have much playoff success at all. And it wasn't really his fault. He was just on teams that you know, were struggling. The Texans and Cardinals hasn't had too much success this past decade. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to see him get a Super Bowl and just the guy he is in general. Uh, I know he dealt with the, the heart issue he had this, this past season, so I'm sure that has to do with him retiring. And he just had his new kid, so probably just wants to be healthy and live his life. So I, I respect that that he's hanging him up. But, yeah, I, I think I would consider him a 1st bout Hall of Famer right now just from his product to play. But, you know, if guys are sitting there that – um, haven't made it yet. Uh, it'll, it'll be tough, uh, but I, I would definitely would consider him a first Hall of Famer. Brendan Ertle, appreciate you as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next year, bud. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tune in next week for another edition of Hood at Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th, a four miles through Freetown just south of the parade route. If you wear a costume, you can enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the Adult Hydration Station. Party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all, run some, run none. 
That that would be what I do. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest. So bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Graw Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. Checking into the poll question. 56.3% of you say Sean Payton's coaching the Saints next. 15.6% say the Cowboys and other. And then 12.5% say the Arizona Cardinals. Got a couple of comments. We touched on some of them earlier. Got a new one here from Ton. He says, throwing this wrench in there, the Colts. Yeah, we we talked about it. That's We didn't go into full detail, but we threw it out as a team. Colts because it would be interesting. interesting. It's the an Colts interesting, interesting situation with them. Um, but you know, very similar to the Cowboys, meddling owner Jim Irsay just can't. He's a wild child. He, he can't. He can't let it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Oh, the Colts. The NF- the NFL is undefeated. Just never change. Just never ever change. Did you it's, just admit they're better than college football? It. it no, <laughs> no, and, and and I never will. But the NFL is reality TV, and it's fantastic. Want to thank this? I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Jay Walker and Brendan Ertle for joining us. I don't know why I can't talk today. We'll be back tomorrow for a Thursday LSU Citrus Bowl edition of Crunch Time here on the game for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. I'll be back tomorrow right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Jim Gazzolo and the Magnese Coaches Show is next.